0: Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwynn, and the Insider crew.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65. We're at PCA's national headquarters. At the table, we have Manny Alban, Damon Lowney, Robert Forsythe is at the controls, and we have a special guest with us today. Mr. Shiny is what I'll call you. <laughs> From Ceramic Pro Elite, White Marsh, we have Kurt Bellmar. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Uh,
2: thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You made good our 964 look uh, amazing. Uh, I was very impressed because uh, obviously you did had done work two years ago, and the car's been pretty much garage. We don't leave it outside, um, so it wasn't like a uh, I wasn't expecting day and night, but wow, it was a day and night. It yeah, it was shiny. <laughs> it was very. So we've got shiny. so
1: many questions about. Ceramic Pro, Ceramics, um, but we also have a couple of things that we cover on this podcast and we welcome you to join in the conversation wherever you're comfortable. Um, I want to take care of business a little bit. Uh, for those of you that are listening, please give us a like if you're enjoying the episode. Comment, we love reading your comments, and of course, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and uh, help us get to that 100,000 subscriber mark. So, because I want to spend a lot of time on ceramics today, uh, we probably want to just do a quick run through on what we did last week is that good sure all right so Damon he's chomping at the bits I know exactly <laughs> where he's gonna start with this how was your weekend I had a well it, it was interesting highs I had and the, lows
0: yeah I had a really high highs really low lows um, I had an autocross and finally after I think like almost a year we've actually been at the same autocross on the same day yes and yes. um
1: let me get my little violin here on my shoulder.
0: <laughs> yep. And so what you're watching if you're on the YouTube channel is my my fastest run and uh that was my second run and um so Vu went in the morning in his uh 1999 911 Carrera and got a 64 64- 642. 2 and my first run was a 6407 <laughs> and then my second <laughs> run was a 627. And uh, so I was feeling very good about myself that day. <laughs> yes, he got me. He got me. You know, I, I
2: was in Hunt Valley, and I I could hear the smack when uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who, "Who just got beat?" <laughs>
1: oh, but it was a fantastic event. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I said this uh, the last time we were on. I really love how my car is driving. Yes, I didn't beat you. You need some Yokohama. You but, need the tires, man. But I did beat some pretty fast yeah. folks And in, yes, in the did. morning in the morning session, I was the fastest non-GT car. There right? we go. Fastest yeah. non-GT car. So, yeah. I'm 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 not <laughs> spread it super, super the slicing
2: it yep. 99 Arrow kit. <laughs> Nine nine six. I just said GT
1: car. I mean, maybe pretty, if you chop a spoiler off, it'll go a little faster. No, and you know, I I I cannot complain how the car is doing. Yeah. Um. I would have liked a little bit more grip in the front. It was pushing mm-hmm. a little bit, but I think that's probably my driving style and not the car, because mm-hmm. the weekend before it, it, and also the course too, right? So. Oh, that course.
0: But, if your car had any understeer, it, that it would it, show up. It would show up. It would definitely <laughs> show
1: up. Um, but. Kudos to the Chesapeake region set up a, a great event. I had a fun time, and all of our, oh, yeah. you know, usual cast and characters of autocross buddies were there. So great time. Um, yep, yeah, you know, like I said, super happy with the car. Super sad that you crushed me on the first run or your second run. <laughs> Would you go off course on the first run? No, my first run was just sort of the warm up. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. All right, so um, I'm gonna run through a couple of things that I did. Manny, you asked about the subwoofer in Justine's MDX. Check that off. That is installed, and uh, the car is booming. The great thing if so you have...
2: no longer a UV? It's just a... No, no, no. no. It's you just, take it's, a bunch of storage space no, out no. to put well, this, well, well, the reason why I... I look
1: I, at this thing. I, the reason why I chose this Rockford <laughs> Fosgate subwoofer is it has connectors on the two sides that she can pull the two connectors out, and she can leave that at home and have full use of her SUV. Um, what's great about it is everything was able to be connected at the back because uh, the subwoofer is uh, the factory subwoofer is in the back and you can get your signals from there and then you could also get um, because of this her car doesn't have the power hatch but it has the power leads in the back for a power hatch so we were able to get power ground, remote turn on and everything from the back. And then I st- I said, you know what she has cracked fog light lenses quick thing I'll just throw those on that turned out to be removing the whole front bumper cover (laughs) to get those silly things out but uh all is done and happy there
2: where are Uh, you at because that garage is way too uncluttered to be yours that's at dave's uh, my (laughs) brothers
1: um i made charlotte happy and i finished up the topiary wall for her for the uh parade store here's the other thing is um i didn't have time to work on the odyssey so i gave it over to danny at benchmark because i had this like slight oil weeping smell. And I thought it was just a gasket. So anyways, I left it with him uh, while I was on travel. Got it back. Have you ever seen the metal on a valve cover deteriorate? I've, Not I, me. I I don't even know how that happened So if you look at this valve cover on um yeah. yes, it's got 220,000 miles, but it's the coil pack seals, correct? Where, where well, they go? It's, 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 a, it's, it's where the spark Death plugs. looks yeah. like a crack. It is, I yeah. know. So how does that even happen? Because that's not under pressure. It's you know, there's nothing there for you to pry on. I mean, it's really the coil pack location. Yeah. But the heat and stress, I guess, after two hundred and twenty some thousand miles. Um, well, yeah, on my two hundred and seventy something thousand mile Camry, that the valve covers did not look like that. So mm. yeah, it's really interesting how. Yeah, and you can see it's like uh, at the bottom of the uh, spark uh, plug hole or whatever. Yeah, like you corroding. see how it's like
2: corroding; the metal's yeah. corroding. It usually happens when you drive like a grandmother all the time. I think <laughs> <laughs> if you Maybe. keep it below two thousand. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> so, anyways, it's replaced it's not enough, enough off, heat to burn off it to <laughs> another two hundred thousand miles. Um, I told you guys, my brother. Uh, you know, inceptioned me and got me to replace his power steering pump, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, lots of car stuff, lots of things going on in the Gwen household. Because today, after uh, the podcast, I'm going to Jason's graduation, oh, nice. so we're gonna celebrate nice. that. And so, getting all the car stuff out of the way, cleaning up the house, we got family coming over. How about you, Manny? How was your weekend?
2: Good, we did a Hot Valley Cars and Coffee again. We stayed there so long talking that we ended up saying, hey, it is almost lunchtime. Let's go to uh, get some barbecue. So we went to Mission Barbecue, which I didn't know that was even in that uh, center, but Hmm. it's on the other side. And uh, Juan brought his, uh, Juan Trump comes from South Jersey to this event, two and a half hours each way. He drives down. He likes, he has that good of a time at uh, Valley Cars and Coffee. And of course... He's uh, befriended us, and we uh, so we all hang out. So we all went like six of us to get uh, to get barbecue. He got the '79. Uh, I sent Robert a picture. I don't know if he has it. '79 930. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is almost 100% original. It's um, black metallic, but I swear it has green. And I looked at. It, I said, I know I'm colorblind, but it looks like, like it has green. Everyone else agreed.
3: Hmm.
2: And I said, it's factory color. Backpack, yeah, because I used to have a uh, black anthracite metallic 928, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember ever it being greenish. Do you think the green is from the flake? I don't know. I I think it's probably. I looked up Renbo to see. There's a picture of it. Yeah, I looked up uh, Renbow to look to see uh, what um, colors were available, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't see anything that would have had green in it. But anyways, it's it's a uh, really stunning car. car. It's um, it's got. I I like. It has the headlight scorers. Or mm-hmm. like popped up instead of recessed into yeah. the uh, bumper, and I think '79 was the year, right in the middle '79 or something, when they changed that. But I was my poster car in blue. I used to have in my bedroom was a '79 a 930, which was the last year before he went away, and wouldn't come back until '86. Very nice. So, do you,
0: do you like the early turbos without the intercooler?
2: Well, that one has the intercooler. Or do you like the later
0: with the intercooler? What would you have if you had to? Oh, play? I would have
2: probably the intercooler. Yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'd go for the early and make it work somehow. <laughs> <laughs> do you bring a prayer about to say, bring a prayer book with you And hope there's, a whole, br- <laughs> there's a whole reason why they put the intercooler in. i know i know but the looks yeah. of the,
1: the the first gen or, or but I like on different. A, difference yeah. is the tail yes yeah, yeah. ta- i yeah, love the tail Manny, you, before push. your time but man you know there was a time when no yeah, one wanted an early said, They said run don't walk away including from me but then
0: then i got like i changed and i, I changed my mind and it's i realized so how cool
1: they look it's so funny how the trends change with the wind right that's like yeah like 77 911, 76 911. It's like there were so many cars that you couldn't give away back in the day, and now it's like the holy yeah. grail. Oh, Everybody i got to get an early one. I still look at
2: SCs, <laughs> and I go, you know, this car 15 years ago would have gone for uh, $12,000. Yeah, easily. A 70- and, 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 and I still wouldn't pay $12,000 for it back now, and I didn't pay 12000 back then. Because it was like a wiring nightmare. It needed all this work. It was just uh, you know people are like, oh, you know, it's a deal at forty. And I'm like, what? there are wow. so
1: many cars that everyone here at the table will say we should have bought. Yeah. Right. I
0: remember in '06, um, after I graduated high school, I was running near my house, and there's a there used to be a blue mid-year '911, a '76 or '77, balanced and blueprinted engine. He was asking, and it was great condition, and uh, he was asking 14 grand. Oh. I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's a lot of money, but it's
1: maybe not maybe it's not worth it." Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff today that we should buy that we could probably talk about on an episode and yep. we should move on it, but we're not because we're idiots. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um anyways, let's go through cuz I do want to spend most of the time on ceramics, but we we went through our picks for the Broad Arrow Porsche 75th anniversary auction. We got Rob's picks, we got manny's picks but uh you and i damon we didn't get to run through ours so let's do ours and share with folks what we chose if you allow me i'll go with my picks robert um my picks were what i would say is the uh, attainable i think we both did that did we both do that yeah yeah yeah. so mine was uh manny's i know i'm like teeing this up for manny because i know how he's going to respond to this it's attainable (laughs) meaning i could possibly buy it but the reality is I'm not going to buy it, yeah. but that GT3 cup. Oh man. Yeah, what I mean? What I wouldn't do to be. Th- Oh, these, these are incredible bargains. I was going to
0: uh, get pick that one, but then I realized you had picked it already. It's no, okay. The, the
2: key is, I, I don't know if it has in the description how many hours are on the engine. True. Uh, because that's the biggest cost on that. And yeah. uh, Back then, they had to
0: be rebuilt every, every 20, 25 hours. No, that was right? the Sprint
2: RSR. Mm. They could go these, 80 to 100 I was hours, to say, I think. These are 100-hour cars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it depended on when you shifted, actually. Oh. Uh, ah. I think if you shifted 1,000 RPM earlier then uh, you could take it to; it would make the engine last that much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if and I it,
1: drive it like I drive my Odyssey, it'll last me forever. No, you'll you'll have cracked
2: uh, you'll have cracked valve covers
3: again.
0: We'll watch uh, Vus show up uh, to an autocross in that now, right? But they are. The I think this
2: is no, this is actually a good pick uh, because yeah. it's a factory race car, Ugh. and nothing you do to your street car we'll match will us. ever replicate nope. a factory nope. prepared race car. This is a car that's been blessed by. Uh, the you know the the guys down at uh, Wisak and Flock, mm-hmm. and they prepared these cars um, for racing. It's not a street car, um, and you it, know. It, and that it, car
0: in that condition, it's immaculate compared to a street nine nine six GT three.
2: Yeah, you'll never build. You'll never, it, you you never know, you
0: can't buy a nine nine six GT three for that money. No. So you
2: know. even if you have to have to refresh the engine, they call it. No. um, it still uh, ups the price because now if you sell it, you have the first thing people ask is how many hours on the engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and they're easy to drive they were still stick shift they weren't paddles mm-hmm. it was a very very raw visceral uh, drive i think that would be a great if you can get that for 65 yeah it's not going to go for 65 think it'll go more no, it'll, I don't go, know. It'll, it'll go. remember more. it's not like you're seeing these uh, all over the place uh for six figures yeah yeah because they made a lot of them well yeah.
1: and, and i guess the, the biggest thing with that is it's track only it's not a street mm-hmm. legal car I mean, I'm sure you could somehow register it somehow, somehow to drive it on the street, but yeah. it's a
2: very limited use Because you car. don't get a title. I don't think you get a VIN with that. Probably not. You, no. get, you only get a been. serial number. It has a
1: VIN. has a VIN. You just saw it. A WPO something, something, something. But yeah. it's a it's a VIN that you can't register for the street. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. So you might be able to register in Montana. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm just going to say there's, <laughs> there's ways for you to be able to get it on the street. Everybody knows. I mean, come on. Yeah. You, you can register anything. But... Technically, you're not supposed to register that car. Yeah, but. Have to uh, make a disclaimer now. We do not condone anything breaking not, the law. Exactly. If it's not meant to be on the street, don't drive it on the street. But I'm sure that there are ways to. Anyways, my next pick will be, will be very obvious of why I'm looking at this car. Hmm. Is, uh, this is an 86 911 Carrera, uh, M491 Turbo Look. This is a car that is very similar to mine. Mine is a 87, but yours is better quote-unquote right no, because mean, of the no, transmission well no this car is more original than yeah, mine yeah. i think my car has less mileage mm-hmm. um my car has the g50 so you know anytime you see something that is similar to your own car you want your eyeballs on it just to see what the market is and honestly what it's going to do is probably just require me
2: to call my insurance company and change Gears a little bit, it a little bit more, and change yeah. the value i thought you're going to say require you to find the seats for your car and <laughs> and wheels and wheels <laughs> and wheels <laughs> but and exhaust and exhaust
1: anything else manny that you would like to comment Isterio. on stereo <laughs> <Isterio. laughs> right yeah like my engine is way cleaner than that car yeah. that one still has the factory stereo yeah. Yep, yeah all
2: right my, Kurt, these are cars that uh, uh had uh everything but the turbo engine so if you can imagine it's a turbo without the turbo engine hence the turbo yeah three, three two up, motor
1: so. three two motor turbo suspension turbo brakes interestingly not turbo tie rods um, wide
2: body, of course. So, yeah. They're uh, yeah, really cool. popular because, uh, well, once again, you got the better reliability, if you will, with the uh, normally aspirated motor and, yeah. uh, versus the turbo.
1: My the last car that I chose, uh, green is one of my favorite colors, and this car was super clean. This eighty seven nine forty four with twenty one thousand miles on it, and again, it's in a price range that is fairly attainable twenty to thirty thousand dollars. I love the look of those wheels.
2: Would those have been
0: yeah an option? I believe an an option 87, seven. Yeah. <laughs> that is a gorgeous. That also looking
2: came car. with a nine forty four I Thought it was an S at first, and nine twenty eight style wheels yeah. as well, right? Or it like is. they call it, uh, I think isn't it also well yeah it's a uh, what they call it the manhole cover I think. yeah manhole yeah
0: so like ten years ago fifteen years ago nobody wanted the manhole covers for wheels oh yeah now yeah.
2: they're actually cool
0: I, they're rare yeah. you
2: don't see them and if you get them polished I used to have them they on look beautiful oh, look, look at that so easy to make to maintain sports seats white yeah. sports seats that that's perfect a beautiful condition, white color, color seat. combo that looks like no one's ever sat in at least with blue jeans yeah. or no whatever sat in yeah. That is, that's actually, for 20 to 30 that's also. That's a lot that's, of car. That's, that's, that's a, a lot good, of car. Yeah, if you is. want to start a collection, you want to have something special. You know, we were talking about my 914 and how original it is. Yeah. That's the kind of car you buy right there, and you just maintain it. And then wherever you take it, people will oh, be asking you when you restored it. Yep. Exactly.
1: Look at, the, look at the back. It's so oh, clean. Yeah, that is Such a clean car.
0: I saw you probably want to replace that coolant expansion tank. I saw It's a little first, uh, yellow, but uh, it's, it's a original. Yellow, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's original. That's great. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, so re- ready to burst. So is your cracked valve <laughs> <mouth> cover.
3: <laughs> Kurt,
1: Kurt, Kurt, it's hard to explain some of the things that we want to keep original and other things we're okay with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, if you don't drive it much, maybe that's okay. All right, let's move on to Damon's picks. All right, yeah, so let's
0: see what we have first. Uh I don't know if I'm calling out a car. Okay, cool, 1981, 924, Carrera GT. So my cars are somewhat attainable. I don't think there's any car here that's super attainable, except for maybe a couple. That's is- the price
2: of a base boxer, maybe? Yeah, base maybe, boxer, maybe. maybe,
0: but it was one of the cheaper cars, you know, that wasn't no, no, that's the a, base boxer.
2: <laughs> that's a uh, Unicorn also, one of the cars yeah. that was never imported to the U.S., Yep. Uh, that's a... Definite conversation piece because mm-hmm. uh, most people won't know what it is, but yeah. that's the forefather. So the nine twenty four
0: the nine twenty four had a narrow body, but then for the Carrera GT, they took the some fender flares that are very similar to what the nine forty four looked like later, bolted them on, and then made the two liter turbocharged engine uh, up the horsepower to two hundred and ten. Now it was also about three hundred pounds lighter than a nine twenty four turbo. So if you put that together, that's probably a 23, 2,400-pound car, and I can think of another car that's roughly that weight with 210 horsepower, and that's the Carrera RS 2.7. Mm. So I'm thinking here, this 924 Turbo has the performance of a Carrera RS 2.7, costs way less, has probably better handling if you like that front engine transaxle sort of feeling than a rear engine, and it would probably
1: be a blast to drive. Um, I, mean, I think for a hundred grand, that, I'm in love with that like tuxedo
2: pinstripe interior. That's totally yeah, but well, that lit. was a homogulation car, so they had to make I think four or five hundred something like that to yeah. be able to right. run this at Le Mans. So, yeah. did yeah. they
0: have the uh, so this one is it looks like black with a red stripe. Did they come like that, or is that I've an aftermarket the, uh, sort of thing? I think it was the aftermarket, yeah. So, I mean, it looks really cool though. I, I really uh enjoy. The look of this car and the condition. These and... are
2: the kind of cars that all you need is a serial number really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're race they were built for racing. Um, you know, these are streetcar versions, but nonetheless it's uh yeah, it's a great piece of history. And if mm-hmm. you if you, between a base boxer new base boxer and this, for me I would get the 924 well, I mean, you're GT. getting something that's like so much more unique, yeah. right? Yeah. For, and and, and not, not everybody can just go out. Most and punk, people would come out. up and wonder if it's just a tribute card, not a yeah. uh, real Carrera GT. And for
0: just, people who think, you know, 924s or 944s are just VWs, well, I can assure you that all the work Porsche did to make the 924 Turbo and then to make this a Career GT, um, it's not a VW anymore. How cool is it that you can <laughs> just
1: walk around and say, yeah, I own a Carrera GT? Yeah, exactly. And then everyone <laughs> will <didn't> think. It. <laughs> it's like Joey from Friends, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I own a career GT. Yep, yep. <laughs> cool. So next car.
0: Let's see. So I'm thinking, yes, I picked the same car as, I think, Rob last week. Um, 968 Club Sport. Uh, I owned a 944 S2, which had a similar 3-liter 4-cylinder motor. Um, the 968... Came with Vario Cam, which is sort of like Porsche's first iteration of Honda's VTEC, in a sense. You know, it was cam timing changed, more mid-range torque. You know, a lot of power up top. Uh, really good engine. And the Club Sport has uh, lighter weight, no rear seats. Um, things are more. They've taken away a lot of the electronic things, like opening the hatch, uh, just to save weight. They didn't change the powertrain at all. Um, but knowing that it's a 240 horsepower engine already with a six speed manual, really good performer. And for 80 to hundred thousand, if it goes for that, um, and you would think that they would go for even a little bit more right now. Um, so if it sticks to that range, I think that's well bought. You have a classic Porsche that people are starting to appreciate because you can import them to the U S. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just a fan of the, the 944 series, especially with the three liter engine. Um, now next car moving along is,
1: I almost uh, picked this one too.
0: Yeah. So this is realistically out of all the cars that are part of this auction. This is the one that I would probably put my money towards knowing that I probably couldn't afford any of the others, except for maybe the base boxer that Manny picked, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um,
1: so uh, this is a nine four four Vupic. RS sixty Spider. Yep. RS sixty Spider. Special edition Boxster. Yeah,
0: three hundred and three horsepower. So it's basically a Boxster S. It has some special interior treatment, you know, a red interior if you got that, uh, the standard interior. Um, the gauge cluster. No cover it, on the, yeah, the insurance
2: pods doesn't have Boxster. a cover on it, which to me yeah. is the best part. It's yeah. almost like a minimalist sort of look.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah. the the Boxster, the 987.2 Boxster Spider, only without the complicated roof. Now, if you ask me. Do I want the Boxster Spider with a complicated roof that you couldn't put up in a rainstorm, or do you want this RS60 Spider, which might be a tad slower, but really offers similar looks, easier drivability, but and you don't the, have but, to
1: worry but about but it? But the rear hatch of the Spider is where it's at. Like I know, yeah, it looks great. I know that top is a pain in the behind. Yeah, but the rear, you know, the rear tunnels—that's what makes that
2: car. How, how many people can say they have a Boxster RS? Well, that's true. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I an mean, an soon RR60. there'll be a lot of them, don't but get, uh, don't, for now. Don't, don't get me wrong. This car is a is a great car. Yep. I love the color combo, too. I love red interiors. Mm-hmm. I think it comes with the hard top. I saw one of the pictures with the hard yeah. top on it, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It oh, it. yeah. I oh, didn't yeah. even realize that. It's, so it's, This guy, whoever ordered it, originally got all the options. Those wheels were also... Um, oh, I love those. I have those for car. my own, my Cayman. You yeah. can buy them to quick. That cart is the perfect wheel to get ceramic-coated. Because yeah. oh my God, when I look at wheels, I don't look to see how pretty they are. I see what a pain they are going to be to clean. That's <laughs> why they are, my they favorite are wheels are always five, five spoke. spoke. <laughs> yep. So that's we why put <laughs> my whole hand in there clean
0: it. That's <laughs> why I powder coated mine soft misty bronze. You'd you never see if the if you, the you can't get dust. to the back and the barrel
3: of the look inside at, of the wheel. Look at it's those amazing. little
2: like divots in between every spoke. Oh God, and that oh, would drive me nutty. You know they've got
3: tools for that, right, guys? But that means more time.
2: No, if, but, I could, uh, if I could get that thing ceramic coated where I could just spray it off, yeah, that would make it completely worth it. So, yep. I'm going to segue a
1: little bit here mm-hmm. because I, I feel bad for Damon because we're talking about <laughs> shopping for cars. And oh, I man. have a feeling that he actually, too, will have to shop for a car. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll talk about this more a little bit next week. But um, So, uh, if you remember, I was... Uh, helping, uh, the Novotniks, um, with a clutch job and some other stuff on their 986 Boxster. And I was heading up. So I auto crossed with Vu in the morning and afternoon, um, dropped the Porsche off at home, picked up my golf TDI and drove to a Blink 182 concert with my girlfriend and her friends in uh, Hershey Park Stadium in Pennsylvania. After that, around midnight, I finally got out of the parking lot and was making my drive to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, an hour and a half or so away.
1: Were you in the car by yourself at that time? By myself.
0: And I stopped at a Wawa, got some food. It took me on some back roads. And I got on the uh, 476 Turnpike, I believe. And, oh man, like 30 seconds after that, smack the deer 60, 65 miles an hour. Oh, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what I'm my I'm just golf... happy you're not hurt because yeah, hitting a I'm deer fine. No 65 miles
1: an hour is no joke.
0: Yeah, it's kind of up in the air weather, my TDI. And I love it. It's a six speed manual TDI. I put my Porsche brakes on it. It's lowered. I love that car. It's but uh, you know what? Car. Ironically,
2: the brakes didn't stop you fast enough. They didn't because the tires <laughs> too are. Soon, all baby. Weather. Too soon, Too yeah, no. soon. I was Kurt, close. Maybe Kurt, if Kurt, I had. Kurt, 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 Kurt all, this is a tough <laughs> crowd, but
0: <laughs> this is all meant with love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Dude. Maybe if I didn't have soon. all weather tires on it, I would have stopped fast <laughs> enough. Uh, did you have time to hit the brakes or did you just hit it? Oh, I hit those brakes so hard. But like, really? I was it didn't pro- sh-
2: did it shatter windshield.
0: No, nothing to the no, windshield. That uh, thing uh, must the you didn't take out you must have like
2: punted that thing then.
0: Oh, I did. It I punted <laughs> all the way out into the uh, the grass on the
2: hillside, and
0: the the safety turnpike safety lady came out and. You Where's the deer? I don't know. Usually, <laughs> to go
2: over the uh, yeah. car when they like, hit yeah. the side, but you must have no, really. The, the
0: way it, ha- I was going straight, and the deer had almost cleared the whole car, and it oh. jumped right over the center median. No, no lights oh. on this turnpike, and so I, I had like a split second to react and he got just far enough to where I hit him with my right corner. So yeah, he's almost across. almost across. So the momentum for him doing yeah. that, I mean, it, he just punted right into the, into yeah. the side. Well, so like we'll I said, see. Just, I, I might just need a ha- car. Hopefully it can be fixed. Just so. happy you're not hurt. And my car yeah. can be replaced.
2: That route 24, which we used to take up to the podcast studio, mm-hmm. they used to be, Oh, so many deer hits. And uh, about 20 years, 20 some years ago they paid for these uh, reflectors that um, are, like, um, triangulized. And so when headlights hit it, it shoots beams of light into the woods that mm-hmm. you don't see, but they see, the deer uh-huh. see. And they stay. And then it's, like, plummeted because you would see all these dead deer alongside of the road from people hitting them yeah. at night. And uh, suddenly when they put these reflectors on, yeah, it, like, it, You know it what the works. crazy
0: part is of all this, though? What? I paid the car off two weeks ago.
2: Oh, I do remember you I saying that. I just paid that. it off.
0: I put it in my name because my, my dad was still on the title. Right. He died a while <laughs> back. And I put the car in my title like five days ago. Yeah, I remember you so, went.
2: At least you thing. didn't switch to just liability only insurance. No, no,
1: I kept it. Yeah, and I kept everything. Oh, so, so that's that's good that you had. full So, a coverage. quick note about deers yeah. in my neighborhood. It, they went up in arms because you know at dusk there's this there's this one road. deers went up in arms. No, no the the, the neighborhood <laughs> people did. So <laughs> so there's this there's this there's this like little road where deers cross around dusk, right? So our county decided to put deer crossing sign and i'm not joking people in the neighborhood on the the my neighborhood facebook page said who decided that the deer should cross there and put the signs up there man they put the signs up because <laughs> yeah, the deers are reading that's where they should cross." <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know it they removed them because they yep. got so many complaints because people said that it was an assigned crossing area for right. the deers. For the idiots. Yeah, well, <laughs> neighborhoods, neighborhood, Facebook uh, yep. discussions anyway. So at the table, there's probably no one that worked harder last week than Kurt. I think, what, 30 hours or so on the nine, six, four.
3: Yeah, I'd love to take credit for it, but it was my team, right? Especially my head tech, Justin. Yeah, um, I, I think all together probably between twenty five and thirty hours on Project Nine Six Four. Yeah. Wow. So let's
1: let's set the stage of before it got to you, that car, um, the previous owner, for whatever reason, he decided that you know the engine wasn't running right, and he left it outside for almost ten years before we got it. We got it back here, and it was just it was so cloudy, like we just did a quick you know buff and you know just to make it presentable um you you did meter readings and everything and we could tell that whoever had the car or maybe tried to do it before the 10-year thing like they leaned on the edges of the the (laughs) rain guards and you know wore away some of the paint but wasn't a lot but
3: is that typical of how you get a car or what's yeah, a car of that era, um, you know, what we saw was pretty consistent, consistent with other yeah. vehicles like that, right? Um, especially if, you know, you get a DIY kind of person who wants to try something or if they get it detailed regularly, right? There's only so much paint and, you know, every time you polish it, you are taking away microscopic amounts of it. So there was a few areas that had burned through um, yeah. and then there was obviously defects all throughout, but we can touch base on some of the process on a bit for sure. But So,
1: so Project 964 is Garge Red. And for those of you that don't know, it's a single-stage paint, meaning that there is no true clear coat, right? And so my first question, or probably our listeners is going to ask, is the ceramic process for a single-stage car, is it different?
3: No, the process is, is exactly the same. Um, there are some other ceramic coatings on the market that should not be used on single-stage. However, the products that we used are completely, completely safe, compliant, and everything with it. But the process is the same in terms of the preparation, the machine work, in terms of the correction or polishing. That's all exactly the same. It's a little bit different from, you know, the the method that you go at it, but we do the same and you know, same overall process. So in the last many, what
1: five years, eight years, the term ceramic has really just grown from, you know, There's ceramic underwear. So then ceramic for your windshields, <laughs> you know, cleaner, ceramic, everything. Like take us through the range of
3: to Walmart
2: right now, half the shelf says ceramic.
3: Yeah. So obviously it's become a buzzword in the industry. As you mentioned, you've got ceramic, everything, right? Ceramic tire shine, ceramic soap, ceramic, quick detailer, this and that. At the end of the day, the the real things that are still truly ceramic is going to be the actual coatings, right? The long-term paint coatings, the wheel coatings, there are glass coatings as well. And even trim stuff too. Um, But all the other stuff has such a minimal amount that don't fall for the hype, right? I mean, the soaps and everything's pretty much the same. You're going to get a very short-term level of protection out of it, much like a, a wash and wax kind of soap would. Mm-hmm. So, it's become a, a huge buzzword in the industry that people, you know, the, the chemistry, co- you know, companies, everybody are trying to to really push um, and and basically just get your everyday consumer to buy. There's obviously over-the-counter products too that that work. They work well, but not quite what a professional-grade coating does either.
1: Yeah. So you know. I think all of us probably have a shelf full of all sorts of things that makes your paint shiny. Like I remember liquid glass and then car, some kind of carnauba. And then there was some back in the day when you bought the wax that was the color of your car. So it, like, there's so much stuff out there. Um, but, you know, today, I think there's a lot of over-the-counter stuff that's pretty good if you have like a limited use car. That car that always stays clean, always in the garage. You don't let it, you know get dirty from burr droppings and tree sap that if that's the only way you're using the car you probably don't need a full-on crazy um, ceramic coating right but there are a lot of benefits if you do go through the true you know, full-scale professional ceramic coating.
3: Absolutely, right? One of the the big differences between a professional grade coating and one of the -the over-the-counter ones is basically just the chemical makeup of it, right? For Joe Blow to be able to do an installation of something that you go buy over-the-counter, it's got to be a very easy-to-use product, otherwise Mm -hmm. you're going to get nothing but complaints, you're going to have an end-user that has nothing but high spots, and their car is going to look like garbage, right? Mm. So typically it's a a low solvent-based product that's easy to wipe off, but what comes with that is the solid content, the level of ceramic that's actually in that product isn't nearly as high. And that's just because it's got to be easy to use yeah. versus what a professional-grade you know installer is going to do has much more of the actual ceramic, whether it's titanium dioxide, silicon dioxide, silicon carbide, whatever it is in that product, there's going to be a lot more of it in there. And the carrier solvent is going to be a lot more harsh in order to keep that on the paint at the end. So it's a lot harder to use. And it is a very, you know, very hard to learn skill. Um, you know, we've seen people that try and do it themselves. We've seen installers who haven't quite learned the trade yet. And the end result's borderline catastrophic.
0: <laughs> so this is kind of what we learned, I think, five, six years ago. We did a video with Ceramic Pro mm-hmm. and Adam in, in San Diego. And, uh... You know, that we saw that, you know, with the the lighter trick, you know, uh, where, hey, here's, you know, the ceramic coated side and non-ceramic. And you can, like, take your lighter and it'll scratch one side but not the other and you can wipe it off. What's changed since then, you know, uh, with the ceramic or has it changed?
3: Yeah, so it definitely has changed. Um, Ceramic Pro recently launched a new product called Ion or Ultimate Ion. It's two different levels of coating. Same products, just different amounts of layers, essentially. Um, but it's an extra hard and basically abrasion resistant coating. So the technology does continue to change. It was pretty stagnant for a good while. Mm -hmm. Um, but at SEMA, they released it and that product has, you know, just taken things to the next level. Mm -hmm. With that being said, you know, you get extra gloss, extra hydrophobics, better ease of cleaning, and just that hardness, right? So the hardness and the slickness is what gives you the results that you mentioned with the lighter trick. And other things as well mm-hmm. um, but just you know some of those things and the technologies behind it the whole ion coating is really about the ion exchange so it's a it's a multi-layer system that the ions exchange particles and create this extra hard layer mm-hmm. um, so you just get a better overall end result for the coating yeah so being in the business I have a theory or, or or I believe
1: that like the 964 single stage paint back in the day the way they painted the cars like I think there's There's a lot of paint on that car, but modern paint techniques, because you're dealing with thousands, if not millions of car when you're producing them, you know, the the layer of thickness of the paint makes or breaks a car company uh, by how much they apply. So you measure cars when they come through with your paint meter. Am I right to think that modern-day cars have less paint on
3: the car? You're absolutely correct. Um, You know, we don't get much material to work with in terms of the actual paint correction. So, I mean, yeah, they've gotten less and less. They've also gotten softer and softer for the most part. European cars are traditionally a harder clear coat than, you know, your Japanese or American cars. But it's, you know, it would be very fair to say less and less paint every year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've switched from oil-based paints to water-based paints in the mm-hmm. past, too. That's made a big difference in things, too. I thought it was
2: interesting that you, when I took it over to you the first time, you explained that you were going to paint-meter the whole car to see where areas you had to be careful and which areas you knew you had a lot of paint. And uh, <clears throat> it never even occurred to me. And I th- thought about all the times I would taken of my cars at detailers. And I'm pretty sure they never... You know, I, miked up the, I looked at the paint to see how thick it was. They just went ahead and... Uh... So
1: I think there's probably two reasons. One, if they're not metering your car, then they're kind of at a different level of detailer. Or two, if they don't meter your car, it's because the products they're using probably aren't, how do you say, strong enough that it's actually going to mess up the paint.
3: Well, yeah, so there's there's... A couple variables here right so just a general detail where somebody's washing them waxing or just doing a decon and putting some type of protection on it doesn't really matter unless you're trying to educate the end user right Mm -hmm. in the instance of project 964 we were doing what's called a paint correction so what we're doing is removing layers of paint microscopic layers Mm -hmm. of paint In order to get as perfect a finish as possible so what we did was we sanded some spots we compounded almost everything we we got that finishing polish to really make it pop so in order to do a paint correction especially to the level we were trying to achieve for you all here we had to know what we were working with right if we were just on a light polish on something it's not the end of the world but in order for us to know right hey we can go really hard here because we see a lot of defects right Mm -hmm. we've got six mils of paint which is A decent amount of paint right but then on the door edges we were down to like 2.6 to 3.0 big difference right we're talking half of what it was in other spots so we have to be educated to know what we're capable of doing and educate the end user too to say hey look you know these panels may have been repainted or these panels they've got a lot of paint left so we can really get into it and and fix the defects so We have to know what's ahead of us and know what measures and and processes that we can implement out there to to make sure we get you the best end results.
1: And I'm sure there's a balance of, you know, making it look good, but then also being efficient. Like, I know you spent a lot of time on the car, but, you know, realistically for your customer and for the price point, like, you can't spend – three weeks on a car right and be like and take microscopic slow like you got a balance of how aggressive you need to be to get the work done but not too aggressive because there's a point of no return
3: exactly and and the reality of that is most customers aren't chasing perfection right Porsche owners and some, you know, other exotics and, and, you know, Tesla owners and all. They're a little bit more educated in terms of what a swirl mark is or what a rid is, a random and still deep scratch, right? Things like that. So they'll come to us and kind of throw around those terms of paint Mm -hmm. correction. Um, so it it does. It depends on what you sign up for at the forefront. Are you getting a one step paint correction, which is going to make things, you know, shinier? You're going to get rid of some of the lighter swirl marks and really put some depth and clarity in that paint. Or are we doing a two-step or a multi-step where we're doing some color sanding or wet sanding and compounding, so on and so forth? So there are different levels to it, obviously come at different price points, but it really depends on what that customer is looking for, right? If you're looking for a show quality finish, we're going to go this route. Or mm-hmm. if you're just looking for something, you know, much better than it came in, a lot shinier, and then we're going to protect it, hey, a one steps probably good for you on a late model car, right? Mm-hmm. Black vehicles and certain vehicles come in, you know, a little bit harder, you know, need a little bit more work. And even some new cars do, too, right? So you have a, a lot of variations there. So after
0: uh, you did the paint metering, what, what was your assessment of Project 964, like of the car as a whole?
3: Yeah, so obviously, like I said, you know, a car of that era, it was in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I spoke with a friend of mine who's a, a big-time Porsche detailer. He works on a collection. He gave me some guidelines and said, hey, look for this, look for this. And he was spot on, right? He's got mm-hmm. nothing but experience. He literally does 40 hours a week on these kind of jobs. Yeah. and yeah, I mean, so certain areas, it was obvious it was hand-painted, right? It was it was blatant that, you know, certain edges much thinner, certain big flat panels had a lot more paint. We saw that there were a few panels that were repainted, um, and I think you guys were privy to that in, the, in advance as well. Um, but, you know, just over time, things degrade. It had definitely been compounded, um, you know, over the years. It had definitely been polished over the years. Um, and as I mentioned, there were some burn marks through. So mm-hmm. it was... What we would expect out of something of yeah. that era. To um, me, it looked it looked great when it went to the shop, but you don't realize how great it'll look until it comes back. Damon's eyes on you know? looking at a car. That was the thing, right? <laughs> when, when when Manny dropped it off outside, I took some photos of it and posted it on my social media. The number of messages that I got from people like, "Man, that thing's awesome." I'm like, and "We haven't yeah. done any work yet. Right? right? It, <laughs> it looks good. It does, right?" Yeah. But to somebody like us, mm-hmm. that's what we specialize in, right? We yeah. look at things, and I immediately see, all right, here's swirl marks, here's scratches, here's some oxidation. The average Joe's like, oh, that's a shiny red car; it looks great. Oh yeah. We get it under our lights, and we do our inspection, we do our metering, and we're like, whoa, man, like this thing needs some love. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, th- those are the projects that we enjoy because we yeah. don't get to do that every day, right? Mm-hmm. We might get a 2023 911, and we might get a. Five 2023 20, Tesla Model Ys and Model 3s that require almost none of yeah. what we did, right? Even for somebody that's fanatical and says, I want this to be absolutely perfect. We can knock that out relatively quickly, relatively easily mm-hmm. without testing our skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the instance of this, it was, it was a fun one, right? I mean, my, my just, guys, number one, I enjoyed it being there. Yeah. My customers love seeing it, but, but my head tech really enjoyed cutting into it right it gets yep. to test and sharpen your knives every day right so it, it was a cool one it's good to hear so what does <laughs> a uh,
2: so somebody buys a new 2023 porsche and they bring it to you and you hear well we're going to paint correct it and you're saying well this is a brand new car why would paint need to be corrected
3: yeah so there's there's a lot of reasons right i mean number one at the factory when it gets painted there's oftentimes dirt contaminating it right so what they're going to do is what's called a denibbing process then they get into sanding so on and so forth so Almost every new vehicle, we'll go ahead and we'll find sanding marks. We'll refine those. Um, but then after that, right, in transport, you get fallout, contamination. Everything gets on that vehicle. We've got to get that off. Um, but then should it go to the dealership, it gets washed or in the pre-inspection process, they're removing the plastics, whatever it is. Somebody's taking their hands over the dirt and everything. They are instilling defects, right? It's, it's something that does happen. You may not be able to notice it, but if we point it out to you, then you'll, you'll never unsee, you them, unsee right? it. That's the thing, unseeing. right? Once it's seen, yeah. it can't be unseen. But even something that comes in that most people think is perfect, there's a big difference between when we touch it or when you bring it to us and when we finish touching it, right? You'll notice there is a definite difference in the gloss a lot of that is in the coating but the majority of that comes from our prep work where we're doing the cleaning where we're doing that paint correction process even on a one step the level of gloss that's achieved is a big difference and just just think about it. the car was painted
1: in germany right at least a couple of months at sea or whatever and then gets to the port and then gets to the dealership probably is going to sit outside cuz not all cars are going to be stored inside then they peel the plastic off of it and then you know, some teenager in the back or whatever might be washing it with a clean or not so clean sponge. So a lot of things could happen to the surface of that car between the time, you know, it was made, and by the time you yep. you you buy it and then drive it for a couple of weeks, and then finally bring it to someone like you. Yeah, like I've you know I, I I've seen. Barely new cars have some. I actually bought my my car. was off the showroom floor, and I had to get one fender repainted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. gonna, and, and that's I mean? another
3: thing that happens in transport, right? I mean, I mentioned it at the factory, but, you know, as, as something's in transport, whether it's coming off at the port, somebody might ding a door or something like that, and it has to get repainted, and then you've got hologramming marks from, you know, the body shopper, you know, at the port where they have a lot of those guys. We've got defects that are instilled all along that process. Until you take ownership. So let's let's rewind a little bit. We're talking about um, you know c- consumer grade versus
1: professional grade. Like we talked about earlier, painting. Like th- like you could you could go and buy Krylon and paint a fender and put some you know glossy paint and whatever. But certainly it's not going to turn out the same way as if you go to a buy shop with base coat, clear coat, and proper prepping it. One of the things that you know an elite dealer or, or someone of quality uh, uh, applying ceramic. It's not actually the applying the ceramic part that's the time-consuming, the hard part. Yes, it takes skill and takes technique, but it's prepping everything before you put all that stuff on. Because if you have a poor base that you're putting it all on, then you're like locking in the bad stuff.
2: I got to say, when I watch these videos, uh, when these uh, ceramic – I keep on saying Walmart because that's where my wife and I go to shop. (laughs) So I go to the automotive and I see all these ceramic things on there. And uh, so I started watching videos, and, and I just uh, cringed because they, these YouTubers are washing their car, and then they're going, this really easy, bright sunlight, and the car's still wet, and they're squirting. 90-degree they, they paint. Like, well, Wait, that's how you do it? Now it's fully, fully coated. <laughs> and I thought, he did no prep work. All he did was basically seal in all the dirt. Correct. <laughs> and and then I tell people, I go... Uh, it, it's the, the you're not paying for them just to put on the ceramic yeah. it's really preparing the car the ceramic for That so the easiest uh, part barn look so
1: kurt okay. i I would hope that most of the over-the-counter stuff that you're buying people are sealing in the bad stuff but that's that that's not gonna last like eventually that's just gonna you're gonna the bad stuff's gonna be revealed again it's what i what i kind of cringe as Mandy said is where people kind of go around and get the commercial stuff and then try to do it themselves and lock that in. And, and if you lock that bad stuff with sort of the commercial quality uh, ceramics out there, then you definitely, if you, if you don't know the term flashing, then you definitely shouldn't do it because that's where bad things happen.
3: A- absolutely. Right. And and we've had people that have had, you know, a, a we'll just say a corner shop detailer or a do it yourself or try things like that. And you get high spots galore. And, mm. and essentially what that is is, excess product in areas that looks extremely streaky kind of like an oil slick and when you first see that it's the flashing point that you mentioned when you see that you're supposed to level it or Mm -hmm. remove that excess and while it's still soft exactly before it cures right and and we see that all the time um and it's a it's really hard to get off especially if you just kind of i'll use the word goop right you goop it on there like a lot of people try to it becomes very problematic um, but we, we do see that a lot and you hit on the the prep work. That's a huge part because yeah, you could go ahead and you can wash your car and coat it, but you've got bonded contamination and iron deposits and all sorts of industrial fallout. That's going to be on your clear coat or in the case of the guards, red paint, right on your base coat. And that's all going to be locked in. The other thing is you're not going to get a really good bond with your coating at that mm. point. So it's not going to last nearly as long. So the prep work is probably. Just as, if not more important than the actual product that's, that's going what on think, the vehicle.
1: Yeah. And what I also noticed when you guys uh did the demo here at PCA headquarters is the very small amount of ceramic that you put on the applicator. Like some people that may not know would just kind of like you know, get get the applicator like all is a little good, a yeah, lot better. <laughs> a lot better. Yeah. And then that's how you're creating these high spots because you've got so much ceramic on it and it will take forever to flash, and then they don't you know, blend it down, and then it hardens, and now you're stuck with something
2: that you have to mechanically remove. And that's... Yeah. when we were there. I asked Kurt. I said, "Can we see the ceramic actually being applied?" He was like, "Sure," because we're right at that point where we can start applying it. Mm-hmm. And we uh, have I, video of this, just yeah, have not edited yet. Yeah. We, we, uh, Soon. And and what what amazed me was because uh, we're standing there waiting, and I think Kurt says like 30 seconds or a minute, and he's like, if "You'll see it turn a certain color," and I'm thinking. Manny's and, out. <laughs> and, well, I said, unless you know what to look for, yeah. you know, 30 seconds longer, and like you said, then you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, uh, and what was the head, head text name again? Justin. Justin. So Justin's like looking at it, looking at it, and finally he's like, okay, it's ready. Yeah. And to me, so it still looked the same as it was before, but obviously he does this every day, so he knew exactly when it was time to start wiping it off. But And here's, here's another thing
1: is with... Working on these cars, like I'm pretty thrifty, many would say. The amount of sponges and towels you go through Mm -hmm. when you're doing an application is incredible because. You just don't throw
0: them in the wash? <laughs> oh, just, no, just just do wants to know
1: where you throw them away at, so you can come pick them up and and, and, <laughs> and then and then how you're not really like once it's flashed on the towel like you're done like you because if you pick that up and try to reuse it now you've got hard ceramic and you're wiping it down the car mm-hmm. so like i remember it was like a full-on bucket of t- towels that they just tossed out mm-hmm. there yeah died.
3: and that's one of the things with this new ion coating because it does get so hard if we don't take precautionary measures with our towels they're toast they're right toast, yeah. so we have buckets that are kind of set up with solutions and then to try and break it down. And then we try and get them in our wash. We have a dedicated um, wow. washroom with with washers and dryers and everything to go through that. Um, we're not getting nearly as many towel uses out of the new ion coating that we would with previous ones just because of that. But yeah, yeah we do like four or five loads of laundry per day um, just wow. to keep up. And I mean, that's that's a lot.
1: <laughs> so so is it okay if I ask for those that are listening and you know haven't really considered... Let's take a 964 and to doing a ceramic coating job on the car. What's like the price range and, and, and at the various price ranges, what are you getting for it?
3: Yeah, so it really depends on which level of coating you go with. And, and to me, right, at, at my facility, that's one of the really important things is to kind of build a relationship with our customer and say, hey, what's your use case, right? What color is your car? What kind of use is it going to see? Just feel you out and understand what you've done with your car. What are you Mm -hmm. gonna do with your car? How long are you gonna keep it and all that? So, we have you know a two year coating, a five year coating, and then the more traditional lifetime coating, which are the the bronze, silver, and gold from Ceramic Pro. As an elite dealer, we also have what's called Ion and Ultimate Ion, they're kind of taking over for that silver and gold package, they're elite only. Um, products. They're fantastic. They're the latest and greatest in technology. But those price points are going to go anywhere from like 950 for the two-year up to like 2500 plus. And this does depend on your market, right? Mm-hmm. So depending on where you are in the country, that will change. Does that include the surface prep before? Yeah, so oh, wow. at, at least in my shop, yeah. I, everyone runs their business differently, right? Yeah. So at my shop, what we're going to do is we're going to get your car in, we're going to inspect it, we're going to wash it, chemically decontaminate it, which is the real sexy thing that everybody loves posting yeah. pictures and videos right. of, right? Especially a white car, you watch it bleed red. Right, that's activating with iron deposits that are on there. Right, it's really removing like the rust that's underneath mm-hmm. those. Um, then after that, we're going to go ahead and clay bar the car. I think everybody's probably pretty yep. familiar with that term. Then we're going to give it a good wash again. Then we do that one-step paint correction so that is what's included in my prices for something like that Mm -hmm. I like to make it really simple for my customers I don't want anybody to be like oh well what about this what about that and make things all a la carte it just confuses you and it doesn't help you understand what's getting done and you know at the end of the day most people want something simple right after that it obviously comes down to the coding what you're getting we also coat your wheel faces and all of your glass as a part of these packages, too. So it's an all-encompassing exterior protection package.
1: So so once your car is protected,
3: what's the maintenance on ceramic? Yep. So you're instructed to wash your car a minimum of once every two weeks, which I think all gearheads Probably do anyway, right? They love love going. Not this one. Not this one. Three or four times a year, yeah. maybe. There's me, there's always the exception. Me, yes, to the rule. this one, no. Right. So so you're supposed to wash your car minimum once every two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, you know, in order to maintain your warranty with Ceramic Pro, you're due to come in for a once a year maintenance inspection. Mm-hmm. At what point? What we do is just basically decontaminate the car. We give you a traditional full exterior detail for most people, right? Mm-hmm. That term. Yeah. It's very widely used right, right. by different people. Um, but we're going to basically do that decon process and get you back down to your bare coating to where it should be working almost like day one all over again. Um, and if you don't come back for that, basically your warranty is halved. Think about it just like your vehicle, right? If you don't come back for certain maintenance things, it doesn't mean your car is not going to work. It just means your warranty is going right. to expire. How can you tell
2: the ceramic uh, coating is wearing off or not? <clears throat> you say, okay, it's time for a uh, a refresh. refresh." Yeah. So,
3: so here in the mid Atlantic, right, we deal with all four seasons and we deal with a lot of pollen and we deal with the brine or the salt in the winter time, things like pollen and that brine or salt really kill the hydrophobics. So that's something you'll notice, especially in that December to March timeframe here in here in Maryland. Right. Um, That's a really good way of seeing that something has contaminated the surface. um, But don't be scared if it happens, right? It can normally be restored. There's certain washes and things of that nature that you can use over the counter or we can suggest or, you know, any of your detailers can suggest that will help remove whatever's contaminating it. But that's a really good tell. Um, and hydrophobic means uh, the beading. Yep, the way the water beads. And and here's the important thing, and I really feel the need to educate people on this because everybody sees that sexiness of the water beading up, right? It doesn't last forever. It mm-hmm. does not last forever. What you'll notice is, is over time it'll transition to a more hydrophilic or water sheeting. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. It's just not as beautiful looking, right. you know. As you, I do prefer
2: that. the sheeting honestly because uh, I like the sheeting because it's easier to dry. Exactly. I like. I know for photographs and Instagram, the beading is really cool, yep. but oh my god, what a pain to dry! <laughs> you See, know, I like when you can just you can just take a sheet. that you know you take the. Uh, the nozzle off
3: the hose, you just let the waterfall cascade, and
2: then the car is almost dry.
3: Yep. And, and you'll be able to do that on a freshly coated car, obviously, right? But as time goes on, it's just not going to be nearly as hydrophobic when it's contaminated or when it just gets older towards you, the end I of its life. I guess you can
2: see certain spots of the car where it's just different the way uh, yeah. the beating is than other parts of the car.
3: I, exactly. So your, your vertical panels, so behind your tires and things of that nature, obviously take the, the brunt of it when it comes to the salt and things like that the horizontal panels will when it comes to pollen. So mm. depending on the time of year, things will react a little bit differently. So, you know, part of our job is end user education because we don't, you know, we don't want you to just be out there on your own after you've just come to us and, and gotten a coating or anything. So when somebody calls in, you know, a few months down, if they got it in the dead of winter where a few snows in, they're like, Hey, it's 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 not acting right. We say, Hey, look, this is probably what it is. They call back two days later after they've washed it. And they're like, you were you were right, man. Mm. You were right. That was mm. awesome. So, yeah, it, it is interesting to see how the coating acts in different areas as time goes on. So, uh,
2: I would imagine uh, you're not, you don't recommend automatic car wash.
3: So, in a pinch, it's okay as long as it's not touching your vehicle, um, mm-hmm. right? So, so, my wife has a Tesla Model Y that we did in full matte PPF and then we coated it as well with Ceramic Pro PPF and vinyl coating. I joined a a local automatic car wash that was like $30 come through once a day, every day. And I wanted to run it through the gambit and torture test it. I think I went through probably once every two or three days. I had a young son at the time and he thought it was the greatest thing ever. Right. (laughs) So we killed two birds with one stone. Um, I saw no ill effects of using something like that um, on a coated vehicle right I mean the coatings are chemical resistant those car washes because they're touchless have to use a really high either acid or alkaline to clean so if you're on an uncoated or unprotected vehicle you might see something adverse happen over time right but for us you know was pretty dang good. I have no complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't suggest it all the time. In the car world, there's no replacement for displacement. Mm-hmm. In my world, there's no replacement for agitation, right? So yeah. a proper hand wash is going to always be the best way of cleaning your car, The o- always be the best way of removing contamination from your vehicle as well. So if you're in a pinch, if it's super cold out, you just don't have time or don't want to do it, it's okay so once in a while.
0: with the, the ceramic coatings, if you uh, when you say hand wash, my, my next question was going to be, can you just spray it off? Because ceramic coating often allows things to just flow off. Or should you go in and, you know, give a nice hand wash every so, couple of weeks?
3: So I never encourage somebody just to wash their car off with just water, right? Mm-hmm. If you do, sure, dirt's going to be released. That's one of the awesome properties of a ceramic coating. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, you're not getting all the dirt. So if you have got to dry it afterwards, yep. you're yep. just wiping yeah. that so, dirt. So go all the way and do a hand wash. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Cool.
1: And it's also important to have the right kind of soap. Like, you don't want to do a ceramic coating and then get, like, a wash and wax soap and add some foreign wax to the coating you just
2: put so on So, you really want to look for, like I see at Walmart, ceramic car wash.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is that the... Uh... No. Yeah, so, so that's the thing, right? There's that... nothing
2: out there that I... Sa- like, maybe you go to a specialty... But every car wash has, like, uh, wax. And I agree with you. It drives me nuts trying to find. straight up, straight up soap. Yeah, try to find that at uh, at most stores. It's almost impossible.
3: Exactly. And that's the thing, right? So work with your detailer you know, there's a lot of resources online too. Don't believe everything you see online. Mm-hmm. But work with your detailer, just call, you know, call the guy down the street. You know, I'm most sure of us are more you, than I'm happy sure, to talk to you I'm about sure you it. Should you guys recommend you if you're gonna wash your car every two weeks or whatever, it, use this. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So one of the problems with washing your car that's been coated with something like that is yeah, the coating's going to reject it. But over time, little bits of that wax or sealant that's in that soap or your mm-hmm. ceramic soap, right, is going to start to bond to your coating. And it's not going to work quite as well. You're going to call your detailer and be all mad. He's going to tell you, hey, mm-hmm. you got to do a strip washer. Bring it to us. We'll yeah. do it, right? So a pH neutral soap that's bare of anything like that is going to be your best. I'm a huge proponent of rinseless washes, right? It's it's environmentally friendly, um, super easy to use. It's just a change in the way that you wash your car today. Mm-hmm. It does not mean you don't use a hose. You just don't rinse it off afterwards. If your car's not that dirty, there's no need to bust out the hose in the first place when you use that just because of the science behind it. But you can go with the traditional two-bucket method. You can go with a rinseless, whatever it is. As long as there's no additives in it and you're using a pH-neutral soap, your coating is going to be happy for a long time. Is
2: there a certain color that ceramic just says, uh, this is for me? (laughs) What about black? Does it help out the car to black owner cars.
3: Obviously, dark cars always look super glossy when they're done. But what I've noticed with coated vehicles is they stand out, right? If you put an uncoated white car next to a coated white car, it kind of glows. Same thing can be said across the board, right? Blacks get deeper, glossier, you get a little bit more depth and reflection, blues, reds, everything, right? I mean, you saw Project 964. The longer it goes, the shinier it seems to get with that Mm -hmm. coating as it continues to cure. Um, But I don't think anything stands out. I will say it feels like every time i turn around we've got five black vehicles and Hmm. you know two or three other random colors in our shop so black vehicles i feel like you know customers definitely are like hey let's do this now
1: well it saves it saves them from you know every time you wash a a non-coated black car you feel like you are literally putting swirl marks into the paint as you clean it so if you have this harder coating on it then the likelihood of you know, swirl marks coming back and it just looks shinier, deeper gloss, easier to maintain. You know, I've always said, I, I, it's a love hate
3: relationship with black cars. (laughs) Uh, But if you have a coating on it, it makes it easier to love. Exactly. And one of the things that I do want to point out there that you said, you know, You'll always get swirl marks if you wash your car improperly, coated or not. So that's another thing for, for end users. Make sure you educate yourself on how to properly wash your car. Cause, you know, part of my job again is to make sure you're happy for the long term. If you invest this kind of money in something, um, the other great thing about a coating is how easy it releases dirt so like you said on a black car a lot of times you're out there spending an hour two hours just doing a general wash Mm -hmm. with a coating that's going to get knocked down tremendously just because it releases the dirt the bugs everything so much easier that also helps out on the backside of the swirl marks right if you don't have to really scrub you're not improperly washing right so you're you're doing a pretty good job
1: one last question for you and you mentioned earlier ceramic coating on ppf Mm -hmm. paint protection film
3: yeah, so there are some dedicated, um, you know, PPF or even vinyl coatings out there. Ceramic Pro has what's called PPF and vinyl. There's a base coat and a top coat. So it really depends. Are you doing matte PPF? Cause that's a thing, right? As I mentioned, my wife's car had that. Um, we've since done a vinyl wrap on it. It's pretty wild. I think Manny got to see it. But, um, you know, there, there is protection for those as well. Now, Kavacha, which is Ceramic Pro's film brand, has a ceramic top coat on it. We still coat built that into with the, certain Built packages. into the film. Sure does. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So it helps with the ease of cleaning. Um, it helps with a lot of things, but it, it's, it's a great product. We really enjoy coating that as well, just because it really locks it in longer and makes it easier to clean for the long term, too.
1: Cool. So if you have any uh, paint protection, ceramic coating questions as you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, throw it into the comments. We're going to encourage Kurt to look at the comments and answer any ceramic questions for you. Man, I think, uh, right, Robert, let's uh, remind people to like, comment, and subscribe, and also throw up our newsletters. If you're not uh, you know, receiving e-break news, performance news, or Mark Fresh news, head over to pca.org and sign up um let's throw in some news
2: before we wrap this up you know, i do have to bring up and uh i we ran through what we did last week but it was a momentous week for pca and in, in the office in particular because our resident hoarder approved throwing <laughs> away a full dumpster worth of stuff that's, a picture, you, of Rob. That's a picture of Rob Sess, who had about uh, nine bins of his stuff to go through, and he was sitting and looking at every single sheet. <laughs> but I took a picture because I said he's going to be treasures. Here. He's going to be here for four weeks going through this stuff, determining whether he wants to... In the end, we just put everything in his trunk <laughs> and then deal with it later. <laughs> that became the easiest solution for him to figure out uh, later. No. But yeah, we uh, wow, that I have to commend you uh, because normally when we ask you, should we throw this away, it's a no. And that's why this we have is, so much junk in the have office. Have you not
1: noticed over the past couple of episodes, this is like a new voodoo? Like, I'm, you know, I'm not buying as much. I'm not keeping as much. We did the whole, what's her name? Marie Kondo. like... I looked Reconalia. at, I, like, a staff was walking up to does me. Does it bring you joy? Yeah, yeah, they, like, they walked no. up to me. They were grimacing every time was they like, would does, say. Does, does, does this bring you joy? Can we toss it? I'm like, toss it. Just toss it. And you guys were surprised, but I was working on it, man. Even yeah. even Robert had a little bit of hoarded.
2: hoarded, hoarded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would ask him, can we throw this away? And he was like, oh. oh I think I can save this. I'll put it back <laughs> at my desk.
1: No, we. I mean, we, on, we were filling three uh, pods to go to palm springs and we just took advantage of while we're all grimy and dirty loading up the pods uh, garage doors were open just sent things out the door that we've you know some stuff we didn't have not touch for a decade um things of value that we had to destroy because we. That, that's want... when
0: you know when you have it for 10 years not five you not know. two. <laughs> <laughs> but we did clear out a lot yep. i'm
1: very proud how, and uh we're we're well on our way to getting ready we still for need extra space house. We but still, we, need the uh, extra have space a little point. bit more
2: uh, yeah. room to stretch around, but it looks so, good. Yeah, that so was I had good. to bring that up because it was, uh, and the uh, and meanwhile the the ladies uh, in member services, um, were uh, I they, I think they've spent the past month I've seen them I've got a picture of them. Uh, if you wonder if you go to the parade store and you wonder how that all gets prepared, it's stem spending every day tagging and sorting uh, all the merchandise as it comes in, which we shipped in one pod. Uh, but they, um, yeah, they do a pretty people, phenomenal job. People don't job. think about this, but it's a retail
1: operation that we're preparing for. It takes for two days to
2: set up. I think it's open for five days, maybe.
1: So so how do you <laughs> forecast what people want to wear or want to buy, what sizes that you need? And, you know, there's, you've got, what, six generations that you have to appeal to at Parade, and you've got a Pick the right designs, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of fresh, great looking merchandise coming to parade.
2: And no, uh, we will not be selling the stuff half price at the last day. We Uh, never do that, those days have ended. Uh, that was years ago. That's how you
1: know you didn't pick the right stuff is if you have to mark them on sale. Like Charlotte and the crew, they pick the items that and and they, they don't all put it all out at the beginning, they kind of you know, you know, do a drip campaign. So every time you come to the store the
2: next day there's probably gonna come be to the store new. every day it's every easy, day there's it's something gonna easy to find always it's using the center of things and uh but if you'd like something buy it don't say i'm gonna don't think wait. about it and come back don't wait because uh they don't reorder this stuff it's no. uh, one and done and yeah uh, there's a lot of people who see shirts later on saying where'd you get that shirt and when you tell them they go to the store and it's long gone
1: yep all right so in the news the first uh item is talking about the third gen panamera yeah the spy shots yeah
2: um porsche is so uh everything evolves uh you know slowly so i was looking at it and and except for some extra vents it doesn't look that different but what i did notice was notice the five bolt wheels now we had seen uh, panamera for a long time with the uh center lock this one but this one has the wing in the back but doesn't have the uh the center lock so I was kind of, yeah, interesting. it's interesting. I
0: wonder when we're looking
2: at the, the hot version or one of the middle of the road versions. And, uh, yeah,
0: Panamera's, they, they said ha- the
2: side vent is probably fake that mm-hmm. they're doing that to yeah. hide another vent. It's not going to be that big, but they yeah. do that sometimes. So.
0: Do you remember when the first gen Pan- uh, Panamera changed? I really didn't realize because I never. Paid super close attention. I didn't realize how the the whole rear end changed. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. That was a big between complaint. the two. And yeah. then when I saw them like a year or two, a couple of years ago at parade, I saw them next to each other. They are so different. Yeah. Yet they look so similar and. That's what
1: I see. with this the question new Panamera is: as well. Is this the last iteration, or will they, yeah. will they, you know, the next generation be an electric version of it? Like, yeah. will they want a? Oh, larger... well, that's called a Taycan, isn't it? Well, no, Panamera's t- bigger. T- Panamera's well, bigger, right? So yeah, the Taycan yeah, is a four door. Sort... I know. I mean, they're going to have two four door. Oh, well, they have two four doors now. Yeah. I mean, well, yes, one is. Oh, one's electric too. Yeah,
2: that's a big question. I mean, as the well? big big thing yeah. about the Panamera was the rear seats. Yeah. I mean, that's why the rear end was, if you will, not as attractive because they clear a 6 foot something uh person comfortably. Yeah. Um and so I think uh I don't know, I don't, well, we'll, High going we'll, we'll we'll
0: electric so, so so is the McCon, right? So
2: yeah. I think it'll go hybrid. I mean, they have hybrid Panameras, but yeah. uh, the whole line may be hybrid. Yeah.
1: All right, the next news item talking about a snub in Italy.
2: Yeah, I, I so we had an article in break news that came out about the uh traditional Concor, which i'm not uh, going to try and pronounce no, right now I was but you would damon because i'm not did you think it is italian <coughs> villa d'ester there we go yep. <laughs> sounds good to me yep. me too um which it, it rained unfortunately uh the whole weekend but uh porsche decided to uh move away from the traditional Concord and just have theirs down the street which was um uh, very interesting and in my opinion it was uh direct competition there was porsches at the original Concord, but the factory entry uh porsches including vision 357 was at this other Concorde. a beautiful location yeah. so you
0: can see that or a gt1 at the original
2: yeah that's good good to have choices all right yes it is you come- by yeah. the way i think we should have works reunion because they're talking about having this turn into like a monterey car week oh works in italy so you, yes, may, want to, you it. may want to ask the ec <laughs> if we get the budget to have a because i think we all could use a week in Italy to set up. And <laughs> yeah, of course. of course. Dream. You can always dream, hey, man. You got
0: to think big. That's I'll right. brush up and be your translator.
1: All right. So who wants to educate me on this moose test?
2: This is awesome, Robert. I'm, I don't know if you can play it. Uh, so the best part is not the Porsche one, because obviously, as you know, Porsche, so the moose test became famous... I think, what was it the Suzuki Samurai or the Mercedes SUV? I'm not
0: not sure, but it's the
2: Swedes or some Scandinavian country. Yeah, they had to basically avoiding a moose at a certain speed, fully loaded. It's like accident avoidance. This thing was weighing, the boxer was weighing like, I think, 3,600 pounds when they tested it. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember which SUV. It was comical. It like flipped over and failed the moose test. So the next video below, they have some of the SUVs this was i was laughing out loud at. <laughs> in, in my cubicle like a rav4 yeah you got it there we go watch this and there's a kid <laughs> watching this poor rav4 is uh handling as you might expect fully yep. loaded trying to do a slalom and <laughs> hey but at least yep.
1: it didn't roll over because i think the suzuki back in yes, the
2: day no, the one that over. got its attention was uh when we first heard moose test the car rolled yeah um Ooh, the raf 4 yeah. didn't do so well. No, yeah. but
0: it's a really good test too for you know a Fiesta, a non saint Fiesta might flip right there. So the uh, Boxer,
2: which I I don't think we should be too surprised, uh, it passed the moose test. It did. You would hope it would pass the moose test. Boxers
0: uh, are usually in both uh, well, Porsches, especially the mid-engine Porsches, are usually some of the fastest cars through the moose test. Yeah. Well, so, something that low uh, <laughs>
2: in high performance, I would. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy maneuver. Yeah. Uh, but, I feel. But I'm I feel surprised bad. How
1: he- heavy it was. I feel bad because I'm watching this video, and all I can think of is Damon and the deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Kurt, you were thinking the same thing.
3: I went there. I just didn't I was, like, I, was like, I was like, is it too soon? Well, well, so Are I was Sandy? thinking about that. If, so
0: here's the thing. The deer was running from left to right. I was next to a wall in the left lane. There was the if I had turned to... right, I would have hit the deer head on instead of oh. in the front I, There was no way for me to avoid that deer. Yeah, yeah. Unless I hit the brakes
2: sooner, which I don't
0: think there was time. So. Oh, man. <laughs> all
2: right, and the last one is a 963 update, Manny. So uh, the 963s are, the customer cars are starting to roll in really um, well. Uh, so for, um, uh, this is for Monza. They're going to have, uh, Team Proton is going to have a 963. Monza is after Lama, uh, but it'll be fun to see yet another 963 now. Um, this is great. The first year of the 963 and Porsche is already uh, coming out with the customer cars in addition to their factory cars. And we'll, uh, we already saw in the... Um, the US uh, the JDC Miller JDCF, uh, JDC Miller nine sixty three at Imsa, which did pretty well. Uh so it'll um, now Team Joda, right? That'll be next, yeah. 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 Or, or that, well uh actually um, so Team is running the Hertz car. Yes. And WEC, yeah.
1: All right, well I take this time to remind everyone that the volunteer sign up registration is open for a run sport reunion. So if you're coming out, it's one of the best ways to experience Ren Sport reunion. Uh, Treffen, which is uh, September 20th through 24th, Gateway to the West, a Ritz-Carlton experience registration will open June 28th. And I think Manny has um, some plans to bring on, I think, the uh, the committee chair
2: for Treffen to give you some, yeah, some details. At Parade, when we do the uh, podcast from Parade to give you some uh, hints. In. But once again, uh, for those of you who are registering for this event, I want to go to this event. Uh, go to the website. Be familiar with tours you want ahead of time. So you can go in there. pick your, Have everything picked out. Because if you're going to go there for the first time and make your decision, that's when things get sold out and you get stuck with a we've, shopping cart full of stuff that you can't purchase.
1: We've had registrations sell out for Treffen in, in eight minutes, I think. Six minutes, I think, Robert? What was, the, what was oh, the, Eight, eight minutes, what minutes was the lowest. So, So... It's going to be very important for you to fully understand what the options are available for Treffin, make your decision, so to speak, ahead of time. So when registration opens, you can fly through registration as
2: quickly as possible to better your odds to get in. It's because of the nature of the event and, and the same reason why tours sell out at Parade. There's only so many cars you can take on a tour yeah. and so many people that you could fit in the uh, in some of the dining spaces that we have and to have everyone's experience be uh, enjoyable uh, there's there's a limit to how many people we can accept and much lower than parade Um, so it sells out Uh, unfortunately i mean it's a good thing for the club that we have such a desirable event but yeah this uh, a lot of people do nothing but treffins. they follow the treffin tour east west um which i think is great
1: so by the time you listen to this podcast a lot of Porsche employees Porsche dealerships will be preparing for the Porsche 75th anniversary and many of them are having events on uh, June 10th so check with your local Porsche dealers and make sure you go out and support them and help us all celebrate of course some of us will be at the auction at the PEC Atlanta watching uh, the classic club coupe go across the blocks and Let's and some of best. us won't. We'll <laughs> be back at HQ. <laughs> so the, where the schmucks will be sitting, we'll be watching. I promise to we'll give be...
2: you live feeds. Oh, that's like going to Disney World, going, <laughs> I'll bring you back a hat. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're, uh well, preferably if you're at work, uh, tune in to the Porsche... um Celebrations, which I think on the East Coast it's two thirty or three thirty. The broadcast on the eighth C S C E S Don't know offhand. Which I'm not sure what the C meant. was that Central Europe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, either. I haven't done that yet. I'm, i went to Google and said what time on the East Coast is it? Go C-E-S-T. to
0: PCA.org when you hear this podcast, and we're going to have a story up about that. We just have yeah. not posted it yet. But yeah, by, by, need, by the time podcast, you hear this, it'll be up there. Yeah, exactly. It'll
2: be um well anyways, it'll be something fun to watch because they don't turn seventy five every year. And they're going to have some special car, and it'll be interesting to see what this special car is that they're going to uh, debut on June 8th, and June 8th is important to Porsche. I'm writing a separate article that'll come out uh, next week for eBreak break about why June 8th is important to Porsche, what happened before June 8th and after, and uh, it's very interesting, Porsche's history. Did you know how many employees Porsche had in 1946? Gosh, I would... In 46? So you look, you've been to the sawmill no, in Australia. Yeah, see, I would right? say I would say twenty-five people max. That's what I think. You look at the picture; they had two hundred and twenty-six people at already the in nineteen forty-six. Whoa, wow! And they had they were spread apart uh, basically in three different areas. Wow! <laughs> and uh, in in and Gamund, it was um, pretty amazing. In Zellumze, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was not a small company yet. It, it, June eighth is when they were, I think, registered to car. They became an official sports car manufacturer.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, also, for those of you that are planning your winter trips, uh, consider Treffen at Sea. That's, uh, we s- start sailing December 9th. Registration is open. As I've mentioned in past uh, podcasts, we are already uh, past the number of uh, attendees uh, from last year. So we've crossed over the 600 uh, cruiser threshold mark. And uh, I'm hoping that we get to 1,000 folks on on board it'll be a lot of fun so kurt thank you so much for not only being here today but thank you to you your team for the work on 964 thank you to the folks at Ceramic Pro. they've always been very supportive of pca sharing with us all the knowledge and uh please
2: make sure you read all the comments and and answer if you can the car will be taking a tour yep of the west coast for a few months it'll be a parade all week on display in the hospitality area then it goes to uh, Worcester reunion then it goes to Rensport Union, and then we finish up at Unstock. Yep. We haven't decided where Unstock is yet, right?
1: Not yet not yet it'll be socal but we just don't know the exact location just yet so with that thanks for listening if you aren't currently a pca member and own a porsche grab that vin head over to pca.org and we'll get you set up with membership if you're looking for a porsche we'd love to help you as well we have the test drive program remember to follow our podcast instagram page behind the scenes photos and videos porsche club insider all one word Always love seeing the comments, but you can always send us an email as well at podcast at PCA dot org. If you want to stay in touch with all things PCA, again, remember to sign up to our free PCA newsletters uh, at PCA dot org. Until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.